Hello, welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. Just got back from the uh, ACCI. So those of you that don't know, we're part of the Australian Christian Churches and we have a a missionary arm as well called the uh, ACCI. And uh, we have hundreds of missionaries all around the globe and we have a conference in Thailand called uh, the Pan-Asia Conference. And I had the great privilege of speaking to, we probably had about 220 or so missionaries from all around the world in that space. And gee, I get inspired. I think my, the highlight for me was to really just be sitting, having lunch with and chatting to, having coffees with some pretty amazing people, field workers as they're known over there, people who have gone into nations, foregone the comforts that we experience and enjoy mostly here and have set themselves up in a way that they're just doing amazing things, many of them rescuing uh, children from slavery and uh, a whole range of things across the globe. And we can be really proud of the kind of people that have made the decision to make a difference in those countries and around the world. Uh, So, yeah, it was really great. Good to be with you, though, as well. And as I said, if you're new or visiting, you know, Lighthouse is the kind of church uh, where actually we see, not because it's a spin or a cliche, but one of the things we want you to know is that faith is always a journey. And faith, for all of us, sometimes it's going well for us, sometimes it's not going well. Not only that, we understand that people as well uh, have maybe been in faith and then decided not to be and made those kind of decisions. But what you need to know is God encompasses all that. He understands our stages. He understands the moments when we're in, the moments when we're out. And so what you should do whenever we gather like this is you shouldn't... My encouragement to you is never entertain the thoughts that you shouldn't be here or that God's uh, somehow against you at the moment or uh, the idea that, you know, I'm, you know, I've been away for so long and, you know, I should slump a bit when I'm in here and I'll take a few weeks to worship because, you know, God's got a thing for me. Don't think like that. That's human thinking. Uh, God's presence and his grace is always encompassing. It's always welcoming. He's always inviting. He's always pursuing you. And whenever we feel like we don't live up to a standard that we think God has upon us, it's actually a projection of our own thoughts because God's an open-armed God. He's a come-to-me son and daughter. He's a I've-missed-you type of God, uh, not a beat-you-over-the-head-with-a-stick kind of God. And so For me, that's what I like about our church. I like that you can relax and just know that you're in the right place this morning and that God wants to speak to you. We've been doing this series on uh, You Can Always Count on God. And uh, I want to talk about another aspect of that this morning. You know, in my uh, Rethink It book that I wrote at the end end of last year, the centerpiece story was really the transition or the transformation of Saul in the Bible who becomes Paul. And you know that story. I'm going to read a scripture on it. If you don't, we'll fill it in. Because I want to talk about uh, this idea of the power of God that changed you is in you to change others. And I think we forget about the power of God. And uh, he was this, his Saul, who was highly feared. Uh, He was respected. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee. Uh, He had this reputation and if you know the story, he, just to be blunt, he was a Christian killer. 
That's, that's what he did. When the, when the word got out about Jesus not just die on the cross, but he was resurrected and a new group called The Way started to form, Paul was outraged or Saul was outraged at that thought and he set his life towards capturing and killing anybody that was for The Way. He was literally a Christian killer. And in Acts 9 verse 1, you can watch these, look at this on the screen, I'll read it to you. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And if you know the story, you know that in just a few short days, Saul encountered Jesus. And to say that he was transformed is an understatement. To say that he went from a Christian killer to a Christian himself and became the greatest voice the world has ever heard post-Jesus rising is an amazing turnaround. It's an amazing change. And such is the power of God at work in people's lives. And you and I face incredibly difficult things all the time, but it's worth remembering, and I want you as a Christ follower, I want you to remember that you carry a power on your life. The power that turned a man who was convinced, and as I've spoken and written down in my book, a guy that thought what he was doing when he was killing Christians was not only good, he believed it was God. That's a whole other message about our bias, which I won't go there. But this is what it is. This is how far it changed in verse 20 of the same chapter. And it says, And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. What a turnaround. I want to speak about this today because I think sometimes we forget what it is to be a Christian. Unfortunately, to be fair to us all, it's just become a label. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm tall, I'm short, I'm a Christian, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a Christian. But actually, there's something more going on. You know, the word Christian means anointed of Christ. It's a bit of an old word maybe for you, anointed, anointed of Christ. So when you made a decision to follow Jesus, you became anointed of Christ. You, became, you were given a power, you were drenched in something that was way more than what you could have ever done by yourself. And this anointing, is, it, it, it's throughout the whole Bible from Old Testament to New. Whenever God wants to do something, yes, yeah, sure, he mostly or could probably do it by himself, but he often chooses to anoint people to do the things. And it's worth remembering, if you've been a Christian a long time, it's not a label, you're anointed. You carry, you have a presence about you today. And I think so often we forget to use the presence that's upon us. Can I go right back? Because I want to create an image for you today of what it really means to be anointed by God. Because there's this old story in 2 Kings 9, you can go there. I'm not going to read it through in detail. But there was this Baal worship, B-A-A-L worship going on back then. And there was a, what would you call it? You'd call her a Jezebel because that was her name. 
Jezebel going on and she was killing God's prophets along with her husband Ahab. They were the leaders of Jezreel. And Jezebel, well, she was a piece of work, quite frankly. And she got to work making sure that every prophet under God would not live. And she went around killing them. And as a result of that, Elisha, who was around at the time, decides to, at the same time, appoint a king who would go after Jezebel and Ahab and deal with them quite harshly. In fact, wipe them off the face of the earth was the goal. And so here's what he does is he sends into uh, his servants to Ramoth. And when he gets there, they're looking for a guy called Jehu, the one he wants to be the next king. And I want to read this because something's about to happen. He's about to get anointed. And the, the uh, soldier walks in and says, I'm, I'm looking uh, to anoint somebody king. And they said, well, who, who is it? And he said, it's you, it's Jehu. He says, we need to go somewhere quietly. And so he takes him out the back room. And the Bible says that he, uh, he says, you are to be the new king of Israel. But here's what he physically does. He takes what is actually four liters of oil and he pours it over the top of Jehu to anoint him for what he's about to do. Four liters. That's a lot. I mean... Let's invite you down the front and have an uh, uh, anointing with oil. Somebody get 400 liters. Let's go for it. Let's anoint you like you were being anointed. Because I want you to have that image because it's dramatic. It's over the top. But I'm trying to get you today to get the image that you also were anointed over the top. That what Jesus did, you were drenched in an anointing for purpose. I think it's funny because... Jehu comes out of the house and as he's walking out, he's drenched, right? Like he's literally dripping. Let me read it to you in verse 9, uh, 2 Kings 9 verse 6. It says, so Jehu left the others and went into the house and then the young prophet poured the oil over Jehu's head and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anoint you king over the Lord's people, Israel. You are to destroy the family of Ahab, your master. And in this way, I will avenge the murder of my prophets and the Lord's servants who were killed by Jezebel. And then he walks out and he tries to pretend nothing happened. He, he walks out. He's got, he's got his mates out there. He's got four liters of oil on him. And they say, what happened in there? What happened in there? And he goes, oh, you know, you know how people Babylon say things. That's what he says. He walks out in front of everybody. He's been anointed for a purpose and he walks out into the crowd. They make the weird comment like what happened in there and he tries to divert it like nothing has happened. So do Christians. You've been anointed by God. You feel it in a church atmosphere and you walk into the community dripping with Jesus. And you act like you're no different. Yet you've been anointed for purpose. I, I kind of like it a bit because Jehu had the right mix for me. He didn't come out and say, hey boys, high 10. It's got voted in the king. Get that on my social media page. Look it up. He didn't rave about his new title. He was doing the right thing in the sense of his humility. He's trying not to make it out that he was a big thing like the world today, 
Everybody's got to be a big thing. Every, you, you've got to be labelled with something that you have no identity seemingly unless you can put a title, a slogan, a thing across who you are. Identity is found in the labels that we give each other, but that's not true. You know, I've got a few titles. You go and have a look at my social media page. I haven't got one of them up there. Couldn't care less. I carry a few areas of responsibility. But the goal is not to run around saying, I'm Christian, I'm Christian, I'm Christian, I've got this title, I've got this title. The goal is to recognise that you've been drenched and anointed by Jesus to fulfil a mission and a purpose. This is what it, how it goes in verse 11. Jehu went back to his fellow, just so you believe me, fellow officers. And one of them asked, what did that madman want? Is everything all right? Oh, you know, how a man like that babbles on, Jehu replied. You're hiding something, they said. Tell us. And so he told them. He said to me, this is what the Lord says, I have anointed you to be king over Israel. And I just wonder sometimes, I think of myself as I walk into spaces, how many times saturated in the anointing of Jesus because we're looking for a feeling. You know, when I say to you today that you're anointed of Christ, it's not a feeling. It's just a fact. It's just, it's just what it is. You know, I, I love feeling the presence of God. But too much of our faith is linked to feeling. Some of them are just true and right. That the day you received Jesus Christ, you were drenched with an anointing that not only changed you, but has the power to change others. And we forget that, and it's almost a reminder today, and I'm going to keep going through this story because you watch what happens to Jehu as he is obedient to God, drenched in the oil of anointing, how he begins to turn people around. I just wonder if we could have the kind of lives where we do go to our workplaces, our universities, wherever God has us during the week, and people would say, what happened to you? Something's different. I've noticed something. And I don't just mean behavior. I just mean sometimes the way we carry. I actually believe this, that sometimes you actually bring a presence into a room. I'm not, I'm not trying to get weird with you. Let's not go weird or anything. But, but if you're anointed of Christ and you actually carry a drenching of his uh, oil, if you like, on your life, then it's possible that situations that you go into, that spiritually you can change the atmosphere or the dynamic of what's going on in that space just by being Christ in a room. You'd be surprised. So Jehu, not interested in title, but absolutely sure of his mission. He jumps on his horse, grabs a few of his soldiers, and they start to ride towards Jezreel, where Jezebel and Ahab are, and he does it with great passion. So up until this moment, he's just doing what he does. He gets anointed. He recognizes his mission. He's full of purpose and passion. And in verse 17, it says, The watchman on the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu and his company approaching. So he shouted to Joram, I see a company of troops coming. Send out a rider to ask if they are coming in peace, the king said. So a horseman went out to meet Jehu and said, the king wants to know if you are coming in peace. And Jehu replied, what do you know about peace? 
fall in behind me. The watchman called out to the king. The messenger has met them, but he's not returning. Don't you think that's strange? They send somebody out to stop Jehu. Instead of that man stopping Jehu, because of what's on Jehu's life, he falls in and is now riding with Jehu. Actually, they send another one out. Oh, that, what, what, what happened to our guy? He's joined, he's joined the ranks of the other group. We'll send another one out. So they send another one out, and the exact same thing happens. They said, hey, can we just send out our own bloke? And uh, I don't know what happened, but he has joined Jehu. Now we've got two people have joined Jehu. And I want to suggest to you today, if you could get that image, it's why I want to say you go to work and you've got friends that are anti-God and anti-church and and you can, if you're not careful, you will convince yourself that there's no changing them. And it's not true. Here's the enemy riding to turn them and when they joined them, they they himself, instead of turning Jehu and his army around, they became part of that army and rode against the very enemy they were once a part of. And it's worth reminding because I feel it as well. I feel in this world, sometimes I say to Annette, and it's not right, I, I, I correct myself, I just feel like the world's got worse or I might say people are more anti-Christian than they've ever been or more anti-God. But I have to remind myself that I carry like you, I'm drenched in an oil that didn't just change me, it has the power to change others. It does. And we've got to not come under. So the devil wants to tell you that your friend will never come to Jesus. The enemy wants you to know that your long-term family member will never respond to Jesus. And it's not true. Because you and I carry a power that brings people onto our side. And those that come at you or towards you like they're not with you, through God's anointing, they can change and they can turn around. And we have to, I can tell you, in the last days, as the Bible says. I know it's these last days. Well, who knows, right? Could be a thousand years, don't know. But we've been in the last days since Paul said it back in the day. But in the last days, you'll have to reimagine yourself in this world you'll have to stop thinking of yourself or ourselves as a church that is overwhelmed that a church has, that has been overcome it's not it's not true while ever we are anointed of Christ this world can turn while ever you are full of his spirit and his power i tell you that that uh, you know my my grandfather who passed away a few years ago, you know, at 96 or whatever he was. You know, we, we would try to talk to him about God all his life, all his life, all his life. And we had this little window, I remember, and, and every one of us had a go, you know, we'd line up and we'd all be, you know, every family thing, everyone would try, you know, we're trying to turn him around for his whole life. For as long as I can remember, we're trying to turn him around. And I just remember that for the last few weeks before he passed away, I think I had a window that I'd never had before in my life. And the first time when I, I sat him down, I made sure nobody was around, and I said, Pop, could you allow me one more time 
to talk to you about Jesus. I was waiting for the no. He said, yes, you can. And I remember talking to him for 20 minutes for the first time in my whole life. And it reminded me that you, you must never say never as somebody who is anointed by Jesus. You never know what God might do. We can feel like, oh, their lifestyle is already set. The way they want to live is already determined. Yet here we are filled with the power of God, not just to change ourselves, but to see people changed as well. I have to keep encouraging myself uh, because I think in many ways the world, you know, it feels a bit darker sometimes and a bit more complicated and a bit more complex and it does. But uh, I was inspired by Andy's enthusiasm, you know, the other day. He reminds me regularly because I go like that. Maybe it's because I'm a bit older or something. I've seen some stuff. But Andy talks to me like, no, no, Paul, you don't understand. I, I see it as the greatest opportunity. And, I, and I, honestly, for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's right, you know, because I, I can see myself going down this, oh, the world. I can't believe how dark the world is. It's just changed. I don't know how to give answers for that. And Andy's like, oh, what a time to live. I'm like, are we in the same world here, buddy? Because, <laughs> well, that's what you want, right? Thank God for that. <laughs> Don't listen to me. <laughs> it is. It's good. Into, that's what we need, by the way. You, you need that as well. We need to remind ourselves of what we carry. And, you know, I know, I know that we jump straight to evangelism. How are we going to share Christ with our friends or our work colleagues. It's not always that. It's not. I think maybe some of you today just got to recommit to praying for that stubborn work colleague that just refuses, is like almost the antithesis of Christ and that pathway. Maybe we've got to commit again to a coffee conversation with somebody that just, with a renewed confidence that God's going to use you. Did you know that our methodology around here to win people to Christ is not that you just your job is to get everybody here? No, we, don't, we don't believe that. I mean, you might spend six months trying to get your friend to come to church and just the Sunday that you get them here, I decide to speak on tithing. <laughs> hey? How unlucky is that? You're one shot at it. And Paul talks on money. The very thing they think we talk about all the time. So we can't, we can't bank on getting them to Paul. But what I can bank on is you knowing who you are. As, you, you know, as we say, we've said a hundred times here, don't go into your Monday like it's a job. Stop making your job a job. You don't have a job. You have a mission field. Actually, I'm with those missionaries in... They call them field workers. I constantly kept saying to myself, oh, that's what our church is. They're all field workers. You're all just field workers. Some of you have been sent to hospitals. Some of you have been sent to the building sites. Some of you have been sent to business. Some of you, you're just field workers. All got great stories. All carrying the same anointing that people that got up out of Australia and went to Thailand to get. You carry the exact same anointing. No different. In fact, you're not meant to go to Thailand. You know, if you, you hear me talk about this stuff, you know what I talk about. I reckon you should be a missionary if God calls you. But you don't have to go on a two-week mission trips to feel spiritual. Well, that's a waste. That's a waste of two grand. 
Why would you go to a foreign country, share Jesus with people you don't know, come back home and don't share at all? So tomorrow, do what we've been teaching you for 20 years. If you have to pour oil on yourself to make it feel real, do that. <laughs> all right? Just... Oh, you'll get noticed. Don't you worry about that. Anybody need oil for the barbie? You can just give it a little squeeze there. You might get noticed. But actually, the image is still true, which is though you may visibly not see it yourself, that's literally what you carry. You carry the kind of anointing that didn't just turn you, but it turns others as well. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I finish off today. You know, it's a, if you like good gory stories, you should read the rest of it. Because Je Jezebel got chucked out of a window. Any kids in the room? No? Right. The dogs then ate her. It's great stuff. Could be a movie. Somewhere down the track. But here's the interesting thing. She saw Jehu coming. And she kind of thought, um, I'm about to lose my authority. I'm about to lose my power because everybody I send to Jehu, he turns them around. So what she does is the Bible says this, that she pretties herself up. Good strategy. Puts the makeup on. Makes herself, the Bible says, makes her look like a harlot or a prostitute. And her final shot is to seduce him away from his calling. And I think it's a great picture because I want to remind you something. The world actually doesn't have authority other than that which God allows. The Bible says that God is the authority over all things. But what the world does, knowing it's powerless and doesn't have real authority, it pretties itself up. It creates images, a look, a style. And it makes everything about the external and almost nothing about the internal. And it's, it's seductive and misleading. And that's why it says in Romans 12 too, it says, do not conform to the patterns and behaviors of this world because it's a charlatan it's false it's fake it's emptiness but what you carry what you hold is the kind of power that despite what's around you you can today and I want you to hear this you can today despite what you're going through live in peace you might today have anxiety or you're overwhelmed, but I want you to know you can call out to God today. We're going to do communion in just a moment. You've got them under your seats. And the difference between the Old Testament and the New is in the Old Testament, God's Spirit fell. But since Jesus, we were given His Spirit, and in fact, His Spirit comes up through us. So it means anytime, anywhere, you don't have to wait for a moment you don't have to be in the right spot at the right time. It means any moment when you're facing mental health issues, struggles, you're overwhelmed, financial difficulties, any time you can draw up from within you the oil of God that lives in you and say, God, I am stressed today. I need your oil. God, I am overwhelmed today. I can hardly face this day. God, I just ask that your oil, your presence would rise up in me in this moment. Be with me, Lord. 
So walk out this or whatever it is that you face today. You know, with your uh, cup and the little uh, juice there and what's up, what I'm sure is uh, cardboard for a wafer. You tasted it? Well, no, you can't because it doesn't have taste. Let's not dwell there. just stand for a moment you close your eyes here's what I believe I want you to join with me I believe God's presence is here not because he lives in this place he came in with you I just want you to close your eyes because I want to I want to bring healing through prayer today the Bible speaks of this it says we should uh, do this whenever we remember Jesus and what we hold is just symbolic. I mean, honestly, we could use anything. It doesn't matter. But they are two images here that describe very well what Jesus did. The first one is this wafer is about his body. I want to remind you today, you may know nothing about God, but this is pretty powerful. His body was deliberately broken, by the way. So they smashed him up really good. And the reason they smashed him up is because for us, we also physically get smashed up sickness disease stuff happens in our body and the bible says that that smashing of his body was so that you who also get smashed in your body sickness disease can simply in this moment remember that his body was broken for you you don't have to heal yourself you've got god his spirit living on the inside of you and then of course his blood that was that was spilt. Spilt such a nice word, isn't it, really? Jesus bled and he bled and he bled. And it's important that this little representation that we remember today because the Bible says his blood is power. And I can't think of a time any more than this time we live in where we need the power of God to change things. And I just wonder today with every eye closed, I want you to focus. What is it right now that you need God's power to do? Some of you have given up praying. It's taken so long. You think it's too big or you've just forgotten. But right now, would you just say, God, I believe that I've been drenched in your power. Now I ask today, Lord, that that where I'm sick in my body, I believe, I remember that Jesus, you died for my sickness. And also today, those of you in anguish, mental health, anxiety, stress, that you in this moment, don't listen, listen, don't listen to the enemy. He said, don't work, don't bother. Don't listen to that. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person who has got anxiety and stress, worry, can't see ahead the future, got the fog of mental illness. I pray right now, Lord, that that same power that got you up out of a grave lives in them today. And I pray right now, God, that you would heal their bodies, heal their minds, I pray. Lord, we hold within our arms an emblem, Lord, not of weakness, but of strength. Lord, we can't do it ourselves, but today we lean on you. We look to you. We believe in you. We, Lord, know we have a gospel, Lord, that is full of life. Father, I pray, let there be miracles in this place today for people. I pray, let those who are sick be healed. And those who need your blood to wash them, 
Some people today are sin conscious and they feel shame about things they've done. But Lord, you took that shame. You took it on a cross. And we can hold our heads high today. And we do that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us at a differentlight.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.